This is the Sticks and Stacks podcast with Sean Drotar and Nate Lundy. Welcome to the Sticks and Stacks podcast on the Sawdust Podcast Network. My name is Sean Drotar, your host. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like it. S-D-R-O-T-A-R. We're going to bring you the best of hockey and baseball action. The playoffs are going right now. The second round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs have begun. And so joining us is our hockey expert, Nate Lundy. Nate and I have had an opportunity to work together a bunch of times in the past. So it's a lot of fun to have Nate back here. You can follow Nate on Twitter at Nate Lundy. Nate, how are you doing today? I am great, my man, because, again, we've got playoffs underway, like you just said. And so this is the most fun time of the year. I will go to my grave arguing that there is nothing better than a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, 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 I like me some basketball. I like me some baseball. But I think that we get to those Game 7s, it's crazy. We obviously just had one in the last 24 hours. So I am in a great mood enjoying all of this hockey action. Yeah, it is obviously a, a gauntlet that it's very difficult for a team to run all the way through. And you do have these moments where, especially in these Game 7s, sometimes these are all but coin tosses. And this is a sport, unlike basketball, like you mentioned, where the eight seed has won a Stanley Cup. Not once, but more than once. So there, there is a lot of opportunity to enjoy some some action here that is not available in some of the other sports. So starting with these second round series. Uh, tonight, we have one with the Lightning and the Hurricanes. The Lightning, one of the very best teams in all of hockey this year. But again, we're talking about a pretty close number here. The Lightning and Hurricanes finished the season with 36 wins apiece. How do you see this breaking down? Yeah, I, they did. They finished right there so close, um, as you just said, in terms of standings. And remember, Tampa, in in the midst of, of COVID last year, Tampa hoisted the Stanley Cup trophy. Um, and because of that, I think you always have to give some credit to that team, regardless of whether they wound up as a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, however you want to be able to place them. I think you've got to give them credit, Sean, because as you and I know, all the sports that we followed, and this includes NFL, all of it, when you've got a team that's postseason tested, um, they, they carry that with them. That's, that's a good piece of baggage that they carry with them because it's sort of a been there, done that type of mentality. That said, I think this Carolina team um, is a dangerous team. Um, and I think this is really a fun series because these are two teams that wouldn't have surprised me if we were back in the old school way of setting up the playoffs, Sean, if these two had met, say, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, that's not how they're doing it this season. But if these two had made it there, it would not have surprised me. I think Tampa obviously is riding on some really spectacular goaltending from Vasilevsky. Um, and I think that Carolina, if they're going to have success tonight, I know this sounds like such a dumb statement. I wind up sounding like an old John Maddenism when I say this, but Carolina's got to find a way to get the puck past him. Um, and if that means trying to crowd in front of the crease, trying to make it so that it's much more difficult for him to get the visual on the puck when it's coming in, whether they decide to crowd it up because they're going to look for one of those opportunistic tip shots. Um, but look, Look, game one was only two to one in favor of Tampa, and I would argue that the goal that Carolina let past um, was uh, not so good, right? I think that was one that uh, uh, Nedeljkovic would like to have back uh, if he could. It was not like he just got beat by a good shot. It was just a it was a bit of a, a, a lucky one, if you will. So I think these two teams are really evenly matched, and if Carolina can push. Uh, Vasilevsky, they can make it uncomfortable for him in the crease, take away some of his vision. 
I think Sebastian Ajo, uh, guys like that who know how to score, can make it difficult on Tampa. I'm actually, from a betting standpoint, Sean, I'm actually on Carolina tonight. I think they can even this up at 1-1. If you've been watching any of this, those crowds in Raleigh are intense. Uh, These guys, they are really fans of this team, and they make it loud. I think they make it difficult on Tampa. I was really actually kind of surprised that Tampa took game one. But I think Carolina wins tonight, and I think they even this thing up at 1-1 by the time it goes to Tampa. Yeah, they they are the favorites in this. And of course, you do look at the the matchup. It is good. It is close. But you mentioned those goaltenders. And I think when I look at the goaltenders and I look at some of these uh, over unders in the series of these games, and you look at that five and a half, roughly, depending on those two goaltenders, my, my instinct is to say, wow, I want to take the under on that because there's some really good goaltenders. That said, one thing that happened in the regular season that Uh, changed dramatically for the Lightning when the postseason began is they got Nikita Kucherov back. And now their offense in Tampa is a little bit different. It looks different. And it for at least a couple games in that opening round, it was a little difficult to gauge what they were going to look like. Is it becoming a little bit more predictable now? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Sean. I think that it is because, you know, they do get him back and you sort of have, you know, you go into the postseason with uh, the roster the way um, that you want it. I mean, to make a to make an NBA uh, comparison here, Sean, you and I are both in Denver. You know, if let's say the Nuggets were getting Jamal Murray back for the playoffs oh, wish. <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to having lost him for the playoffs. Right. Like there's there's two very different scenarios. So, yes, when all of a sudden you start to feel that you've got your lines um, uh, on the ice the way that you want them to I agree with you I think that it is easy to look at this goaltending matchup and think about an under on the five and a half goals and I think they are I I think these two teams are probably going to hug that five goal total but you know this is one Sean where you know would I be surprised if uh, you know maybe some some good offense shows up uh, and these two wind up in overtime and suddenly you know it's it's uh, it's three to three I'd be a little bit surprised if they were at six goals by the end of the third period but at the same time eventually even as good as uh, 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 Nadelkovich is I always mispronounce his name as good as Nadelkovich is and as good as Vasilevsky is these two offenses are very potent you're right yeah Kudrov 12 points in seven games uh, obviously not a lot of rust for him in that matchup so none, uh, that will yeah, be an none. interesting one to take a look at uh, Victor Hedman by the way of course you know how good he is no goals but nine assists in the seven games so you're looking for a couple players you want to maybe take a look at if you're a DFS type or or if you're just looking for some player props those are the guys that uh, look they're they're the favorites for a reason when you look at those guys who are going to put up points but they've been consistent you're talking better than a point a game four guys on the lightning have done that thus far Kucherov, Hedman, Kalorn and of course Steven Stamkos so you're talking about a, a high potential offense that can do an awful lot now tomorrow we're looking at one of the series starting off and then one of the series that, well, started off in unexpected fashion. But let's go with the folks up north, Montreal, Winnipeg. This is a, an, a matchup that I don't think a lot of hockey fans expected. But then again, that's what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs so much fun. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Winnipeg basically came into, or excuse me, Montreal came into the playoffs 
with the lowest point total. They had the worst record uh, of all 16 teams that made the Stanley Cup playoffs. Montreal had the worst record. They were going up against the winner of the North Division in Toronto. And, Sean, you and I have done um, sports talk for a long time. Uh, I guarantee you today in Toronto is an interesting day on sports radio because that team blew a 3-1 lead uh, to Montreal and lost, uh, obviously, three in a row. And Montreal moves on to now take on Winnipeg. Uh, and you're talking about a Winnipeg team that ha- that was tied for the second worst point total going into the playoffs with St. Louis. So both of these teams somewhat unexpectedly participating here in the second round. I believe that this is a series that Winnipeg should be able to take. But if you look at the lines, um, the series lines in this, Winnipeg is only a minus 130 and Montreal is a plus 107. So that implies that the odds makers, you know, they're not really uh, uh, setting up a, a huge favorite in this series. To give you an example, in that first round series between Toronto and Montreal, Toronto was a minus 275 to win that series. Only one team had higher odds in their favor to advance out of the first round, and that was the Colorado Avalanche. So everybody thought Toronto was going to be able to handle Montreal with ease, and of course Montreal shocked them uh, and manages to move on. So this is a weird second-round matchup, Sean, because we didn't expect the Habs or the Jets to be here. Yeah, and when you're talking about the the Avalanche being the only team with a, a likelihood of getting out of that first round that's the team that won the president's trophy so that was the best team in the league you, you fully expected this to go differently but as we know you run into these matchups and you run into to teams who are able to really get it going there are veteran guys on both of these teams that that understand how these battles are, are, are fought and so looking at montreal and and looking at their scoring it's it's not very top heavy i mean they just had guys chip in in tight games there's not players that are their big time goal scorers but if you were looking at these particular games at a, at a player prop or if you're a dfs person in this matchup are there a couple guys that you like besides obviously the goaltenders yeah and that's the thing sean is when you talk about it from a dfs standpoint i think it really does come down to the goaltending because Carey price uh is looking outstanding he is uh 33 years old uh, but he looked in the in those three games against Toronto that they won all in a row to be able to come back from being down three games to one. He looked like he was 22 years old again. Um, he continues to be playing at a really high level, um, and that's what you need. You talked at the beginning of this podcast episode about the fact that an eight seed can win it in the NHL, and it's a lot of times on um, the shoulders of your goaltender. So to me, it is a lot about what we're seeing with the goaltending out of Carey Price more than anything else. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck on the other side, by the way, oh, just a 4-0 and with a 1.6 goals against. So, I mean, he's playing well. And, and, and we know that in the Stanley Cup playoffs, one of the things to watch out for is the hot goalie. If the other team has a hot goalie, uh, look, all bets are off, uh, both uh, literally and figuratively, when you're talking about these Stanley Cup postseason games. And, and you talked about that avalanche team in that, other round and how they were expected to get out of it. Well, they had a sweep. They swept the Blues. Now they're taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. These are the top two teams in the league when it comes to points. The Avs did get the President's Trophy. Both teams had 82 points. Let me give you kind of a strange stat. It's a reasonably small sample size, but it doesn't come up that often, in which a team that swept its first round plays against a team that had to go to Game 7 
four out of the last five times, the team that won in game seven beat the team that had the first round sweep. So there's this idea that there's rust involved in here, Nate, and it can be impactful and it's actually shown itself to, to be an issue. Well, not so much after game one when the Avalanche in a, in a season series with Vegas, all these games were tight. They were tough. Uh, all of a sudden, the Avs showed no rust, put up seven goals and, and dominated the game against the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't expect that to last. No, no, not at all, Sean. I'm right there with you. I mean, I think anybody that all of a sudden thinks that, oh, the, you know, the Avs are going to win this in four games or five, um, then you're allowing recency bias to get the best of you. And you don't want to do that in this series. These were the two best teams in the National Hockey League for a reason. I mean, I just talked about the fact that, you know, who we would have maybe seen if this were the old school setup with the Eastern Conference Finals between Tampa and Carolina. I think it would have been a foregone conclusion if we were set up in the old one through eight seed type of thing that Vegas and Colorado would have found themselves in the Western Conference Finals. Instead, they're playing here in the second round. Um, so I, do I think the Avalanche put on an absolutely dominating performance on Sunday? Absolutely they did. Uh, they came out and had their foot on the gas and did not take it off at any point in time. Uh, but that does not mean that somehow Vegas is going to roll over and the Avs are just going to completely roll them. The Avalanche could win this in less than seven games. I'm not saying they can't, but I certainly do not think, Sean, we are going to see another 7-1 to one type of game. Vegas is going to be able to get the puck past Philip Grubauer. Um, it, it's just going to happen. I mean, Vegas is just too good of a team, despite the fact that these are two of the three Vesna Trophy finalists in Philip Grubauer and in Marc-Andre Fleury uh, for Vegas. Um, I think we'll see Fleury between the pipes, and I think that's going to be much more challenging for uh, for the Avalanche, despite how good that top line is and how dominant that top line has been so far through five games of the NHL playoffs. Yeah, it was surprising, I think. I understand it was seven games, but surprising to see Robin Lehner in net in that opener. Agreed. And obviously it did not work well. I wouldn't expect to see Lehner back in net again, but you have to consider that when you're looking at this particular matchup and, and why you don't factor game one into it. That was sort of its own animal. When you put in the backup goaltender, he ends up getting just smoked. This top line of the avalanche is rolling and they're dangerous even when they're not rolling. But Nathan McKinnon, 12 points in five games. Gabriel Landeskog, 11 in five games. Mikko Rantanen, nine in five games. I mean, they are absolutely playing at a level that uh, nobody else is playing at. When they're rolling, they're the best line in hockey. And then they're backed up by Kale McCarr, the brilliant young defenseman who has seven points in five games, including four in that game one. So yeah. I think when you look at those guys, obviously you're looking at potential to score a goal in any given game. Yeah, you have to look there. But the Avs get a lot of secondary scoring. Brandon Saad has four goals already. Jonas Donskoy has a pair of goals and a pair of assists. So they get scoring from all the way up and down, including a lot from their defense too, because this is a team that can really roll multiple lines. But at the end of that game, there was uh, some ugliness. Now, Ryan Reeves ended up basically sitting on top of, of Ryan Graves, took him down, two-game suspension after that match penalty. That's going to add, I think, a little more physicality, a little bit of frustration in the next couple of games, and that probably favors Vegas, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I think that it does. I mean, look, this, this Avalanche team and their coach, Jared Bednar, um, they have to make sure that they don't take the bait, right? I mean, you're gonna, there's going to be some trash talking. There's going to be some late hits. There's going to be some things like that um, because Vegas has seen historically 
historically, even in this season, um, has seen some times where they can get under the Avs skin and they can cause, you know, uh, that retaliation play or that retaliation cross check. And, you know, sometimes it's the guy that throws the second punch is the one who gets the whistle blown on him. So I, I think the Avs have to be careful. Bednar's got to keep them tight, make sure that they do not react, overreact, I should say, to uh, any of the physicality that Vegas has. But, you know, Sean, you were just talking about the, the depth that Avalanche have. Um, I think that plays into a lot of it for sports betting and also for the DFS angle is, you know, it sometimes the price tag you have to pay, for example, in DFS on a Nathan McKinnon or on a Gabriel Landeskog is really high. Yeah, we know that. You, so high. You wind up using it. But sometimes what you need to do is say, I, I, I can't go away from this because of their, their production. So I'm going to pay high here, but now I'm going to drop down over here in my lineup and I'm going to go with somebody a little bit deeper, like you brought up a Donskoy or a Burkowski or uh, you know some of these guys that go a little bit deeper for the Avs and manage, you know, Brandon Saad, who, who can who can and get you some points from a DFS standpoint. So you can pay the high price on the DFS, and I know that's not easy to do, but as long as you're willing to back it with somebody on the cheap end that's got, you know, uh, that maybe has got a high ceiling that could surprise some people, I think you can still put together a good lineup. Yeah, and in hockey especially, keep in mind, yeah, we're, we think about those offensive lines, but defenders aren't always synced up on those lines. So when you can find any team that's got a good defender, we talked about Hedman earlier, we talked about uh, McCarr as well, they find themselves on multiple lines. So even though you have guys like Hedman and McCarr and you think they're top scorers, they're not always on the ice with their top scorers, but they can facilitate third line, second line scoring and, and get those assists and help those guys too so you can take advantage of some of the top tier guys, even though the offensive line line you may be rolling with isn't necessarily that top tier line so there's a way to mix and match there that i think when you're being savvy about it you can take advantage of Yep, absolutely. It's the idea behind, like, if I'm looking at it from a betting standpoint, yeah, I'm looking at a Sebastian Aho. I'm looking at an Alex Kalorn. Um, but, you know, perhaps in DFS, I'm digging deeper and I'm going with a guy like Donskoy, for example. Yeah, who still may end up with someone like Makar or Devontae's on, on the ice at the same time. So now that we have this second round underway, we were looking at these these next three matchups. Let's go ahead and recap. Uh, give me a little bit of what you like in these next couple games for Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, let's roll with just if I'm talking just straight money line on these next three games. I like Carolina to even up the series, so I'll take Carolina on the money line. Um, I do think Vegas is going to perform a lot better in game two, but I still expect Colorado to win. Um, so I would roll with with Colorado on the money line as well. Um, and I think that uh, Winnipeg will handle game one at home, uh, despite all of this momentum that Montreal has. So I like Winnipeg, but I also like Winnipeg to win the series. And I brought that line up earlier at a minus 130. Um, if we're looking at some player props, um, Alex Kalorn of Tampa Bay, he only had one one shot on goal in game one. Sean, I don't think it stays that way. No, so that's really uh, unusual. So Alex Kalorn is actually a plus 230 with our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook for an anytime goal uh, in the game tonight. And so I'm also leaning a little bit towards Alex Kalorn on that one just because uh, I just don't, I think the pendulum is going to swing the other way. I think if he only had one shot in game one, I think he's going to work on peppering the net uh, in game two. And I think that uh, from Tampa's standpoint, I think he will tally a goal. So those are just a couple of the guys here in these next couple of games, the next 36 hours or so that are standing out to me that obviously that can also translate to DFS. 
He is Nate Lundy, our hockey expert right here on Sticks and Stacks. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Nate Lundy. My name is Sean Drotar. Of course, I'll catch you with the hockey and the baseball with our friend Jen Piacenti later in the week. But for now, for Nate, my name is Sean Drotar. Again, S-D-R-O-T-A-R on Twitter. We will catch you next time on Sticks and Stacks on the Sawdust Podcast Network.